Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Now, there are some riwayat that tell us that Qarun, not only did he become arrogant and refuse to give his zakat, but he started to increase his following. He wanted more followers than Musa salam. He started taking people from Musa salam and bringing them into his following. How he did most of this was by having these parades where he would parade his wealth through the city and show people how much money he had. And unfortunately, the simple mind sometimes believes that a lot of wealth equals to success. And when people would see his wealth, they would say, man, this guy has so much money, he must be something special. And they would start following him. People would fall into his trap. Musa salam, on the other hand warned people that don't fall into this trap of Qarun. It's all deception, it's all lies. A lot of wealth does not mean success. So there were two narratives being taught. One day, um, Qarun, he put a plan together to hurt Sayyidina Musa salam. He wanted Musa salam's reputation to be tarnished and destroyed. Therefore, opening up the door for his followers to increase. So what happened was, Qarun gathered his few followers together, and he said, guys, you become successful by having a lot of money. But this Musa doesn't want you to be wealthy. He wants to collect zakat, take your money away, and he will make you poor. Therefore, he stands in the path of your success. They said to him, you are our leader. You are our master. You tell us, we will follow you. فَقَالَ نُبَرْطِلُ فُلَانَةَ الْبَغِيَّةِ حَتَّى تَنْسُبَهُ إِلَى نَفْسِهَا فَيَرْفُضُهُ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ فَجَعَلَ لَهَا تَصْطًا مِنْ ذَهَبٍ مَمْلُوءًا ذَهَبًا So what Qarun did was, by the way this narration, I'm quoting from Imam Razi rahmatullahi alayhi, Fakhruddin al-Razi narrates this narration. He says that what happened is that he said to the people, we will find so-and-so lady. There was a lady in the community who was a baghiya. Baghiya means someone who was a prostitute. They said that we will tell her to stand up in front of people and openly accuse Musa salam of having inappropriate interactions with him. When people will hear this about Musa salam, they will lose respect for Musa salam. That's why in our deen, we take allegations very seriously. No lady or man can just stand up publicly and say, uh, you know, I'm oppressed, throw me in me too as well. You know, I'm going to point fingers at this person and that person. Whether it's men or women, it doesn't matter. In Sharia, we have a standard of making accusations. Because one false accusation can tarnish the reputation of a lady. That's why in Sharia, if a male makes a false accusation against a lady, what's the ruling? There is Haddul Qadhaf. What is there, guys? What does Haddul Qadhaf mean? There is a punishment for the false accusation. This is, Islam takes this very seriously. And similarly, vice versa. It's a major sin for a lady to go around making accusations against men. If you're going to make an accusation, you have to make sure it's backed up and it's substantiated. You can't go around pointing fingers at people. Now this lady, Qarun, she agreed. She said, okay, 
Qarun gave her a tray full of gold. She was happy. I just have to make one accusation. I've slept for much less wealth with other people. At this point, I don't even have to even sleep with this guy. He's going to give me so much money just for making one public accusation. She agreed. Musa alayhi salam was one day. فَلَمَّا كَانَ يَوْمُ عِيدٍ It was a day of celebration. قَامَ Musa Musa alayhi salam stood up and he was speaking to the people. And while advising them, he said, يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ مَنْ سَلَقَ قَطَعْنَاهُ وَمَنْ زَنَى وَهُوَ غَيْرُ مُحْسِنْ جَلَدَنَاهُ وَإِنْ أَحْسَنَ رَجَمْنَاهُ He was talking about the hudud that if a person steals, this will be the punishment. If a person commits zina, fornicates, this will be the punishment. If they engage in adultery, this will be the punishment. So each of the hudud, he listed them out and, and highlighted the punishments. فَقَامَ قَارُونَ قَارُونَ stood up. And he said, وَإِن كُنْتَ أَنْتَ What is the punishment if you do these things? So Musa salam said, وَإِن كُنْتُ أَنَا Even if it's me, the punishment will be the same. So Qarun said, well, people are saying that you had inappropriate relationships with a lady in the community. Musa salam was caught off guard. He said, what are you talking about? So then he asked the lady, stand up. So the lady got up and she said that this Musa here had inappropriate relationships with me. When Musa salam heard this, he went into a state of jalal. He was, you know, full of energy. فَنَاشَدَهَا مُوسَى بِاللَّهِ الَّذِي فَلَقَ الْبَحْرِ وَأَنزَلَ التَّوْرَارِ أَن تَصْدُقَ He said to her, I give you an oath by Allah, the one who split the ocean open, the sea open. I give you an oath by Allah, the one who revealed the Torah. Speak the truth. In that moment, there was such um, energy in Musa salam that she spoke the truth. She said, كَذَبُوا بَلْ جَعَلَ لِي قَارُونَ جُعْلًا عَلَىٰ أَنْ أَقْذِفَكَ بِنَفْسِي That it was Qarun who put me up to this. Qarun immediately ran away from there. He left the gathering. When he left the gathering, Musa salam, in front of people, he went into sajda and he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَخَرَّ مُوسَىٰ سَاجِدًا يَبْكِي Musa salam went into sajda crying in front of Allah. Ya Allah, this man has gone so far that today he accused me publicly of this. وَقَالَ يَا رَبِّ إِن كُنْتُ رَسُولَكَ فَغْضَبْ لِي فَأَوْحَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ إِلَيْهِ أَنْ مُرِ الْأَرْضِ بِمَا شِئْتَ فَإِنَّهَا مُطِيعَ لَكَ He said, Ya Allah, if I am your servant, if I am your messenger, then be angry on my behalf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Sayyidina Musa salam that I have given the earth punishment to do as you wish. Give your command. Sayyidina Musa salam قَالْ He said, Musa salam said, يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَعَثَنِي إِلَىٰ قَارُونَ كَمَا بَعَثَنِي إِلَىٰ فِرْعُونَ فَمَنْ كَانَ مَعَهُ فَلْيَلْزَمْ مَكَانَهُ وَمَنْ كَانَ مَعِي فَلْيَعْتَزِلْ فَاعْتَزِلُوا جَمِيعًا غَيْرَ الرَّجُلَيْنِ Musa salam said, whoever is with me, come with me. And whoever is with Fir'aun, let them stay, Qarun, let them stay here. Everyone joined Musa salam and they left. Only two people remained behind with Qarun. Then what happened? Musa salam said, يَا أَرْض خُذِيهِمْ فَأَخَذَتْهُمْ إِلَى الرُّكَبْ He said, O earth, swallow them. And the earth swallowed them piece by piece, first to their knees, then to their waist, then to their chest, until they were completely swallowed in. There were some people that started whispering and they said that maybe why Musa salam had um, Qarun swallowed because he wanted his wealth. Maybe he wanted Qarun's wealth. That's why he had Qarun removed from the equation. So at this point, Musa alayhi salam, فَأَصْبَحَتْ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِلِ يَتَنَاجَوْنَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِنَّمَا دَعَى مُوسَىٰ عَلَىٰ قَارُونَ لِيَسْتَبِدَّ بِدَارِهِ وَكُنُوزِهِ So that he can have his wealth and his treasures. 
Immediately Musa alayhi salam made dua to Allah. Allah an hatta khasafa bidarihi wa amwalihi. Faqar Allah ta'ala fakhasafna bihi wa bidarihi al-ard. Musa alayhi salam then made dua to Allah saying, Ya Allah, I have no interest in Qarun's wealth. Take that away as well. And therefore the earth split open and his wealth went away. And that was the end of the story of Qarun and Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. There are many, reflect, many reflections in this story. The one thing is that how far jealousy will push a person. Someone who is very close to a prophet ends up becoming an enemy of the prophet. Similarly, what wealth does to people. You should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this was from the du'as of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnatil mal. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnatil ghina wa fitnatil faqr. Oh Allah, save me from the test of wealth, because sometimes wealth destroys a person. There are some people, Allah gives wealth to them, they turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't have time to go to the masjid anymore. They don't have time to give zakat anymore. They're so worried about their car payment, their house payment, that they don't have time to donate to the masjid anymore. So, what temptation does to people? How wealth sometimes creates arrogance in people. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnatil ghina wa fitnatil faqr. Oh Allah, I seek protection in you from the test and trial of wealth and the test and trial of poverty. Because both have a test. Being kadal faqru an yakuna kufra. Sometimes a person is so poor that it leads them to disbelief. They lose hope in Allah's mercy. Sometimes a person has so much wealth that they forget about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Know that wealth doesn't determine who you are. What determines who you are is what you are in your heart. What kind of patience do you have here? What kind of connection with Allah do you have here? There are some people in this world that aren't necessarily wealthy. That aren't necessarily wealthy. But you look at them, they're so generous. As we'll, as we'll learn with the story of the next story I'm going to cover, the story of Musa salam and Khadr. I'll just mention it now, there we'll discover, discuss it with a little bit more detail. Musa salam and Khadr visited three, three different, um, I want to say scenarios, but three different cities if you wish to say, or three different areas they visited. One of them, the first one was poor people, ship people, masakina ya'amuluna fil bahar, they were poor people who ran a ship. But these people gave Musa salam and Khadr a free ride. They were poor. What did the Qur'an describe them as? Masakin, poor people. But they gave Musa salam and Khadr a free ride. On the other hand, the sec- one of the places they visited, they were wealthy people, they refused to give them food. Do you guys understand that? Sometimes someone has so much wealth, but when it comes to giving, they're poor. And there are other people that have nothing. But whatever little they have, they're willing to share it. They'll say it. That you know what, I don't have anything fancy at my house, but if you want a simple meal, my, my doors are open. Come to my house. I don't have any special car, but if you want a ride, Hadr, I'll give you a ride right now. These are people. These are wealthy people, mashallah. And you'll find some wealthy people that Allah has given a lot of resources to, but they have a very tough time, very tough time sharing it. You go with them to eat somewhere, they'll make you pay for your own pizza. They'll make you pay for your own drinks. And I understand there's a principled approach to life that I'm not going to um, hand out money unless I say so. And that's understandable, that has some principle to it. But for a person, when Allah gives you wealth, what should you do, guys? Share it. The concept of wealth is that when you give it, Allah gives you more. That's the reality. When you give it, Allah will give you more. 
When you hoard it and you become conjuice and you sit on it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will He'll take it away and give it to someone who is willing to give it. He'll give it to someone who's willing to give it. Ultimately, look what happened to him. Qarun and his wealth disappeared. You know, the world doesn't remember wealthy people unless they were generous people, unless they were good people. Qarun was a wealthy person, but the world doesn't remember Qarun for being a good person. The world remembers Qarun for being a miserable person. Be generous people. Sometimes you may think to yourself, that what good is my one dollar? The masjid is trying to raise $500,000, what's my one dollar going to do? Never underestimate the barakah of your dollar. You're not doing it to help the masjid, you're doing it to help yourself. You're doing it for your akhirah. Allah's not going to ask you, why didn't you donate a thousand dollars? Allah will ask you, why didn't you donate? Why didn't you do something? That's what Allah will ask you about. Allah won't ask you about the kamiya, Allah will ask you about the kafiya. How much were you able to give? You, what was your kafiya? Did you give according to your ability? Or did you give a number? Someone gives $10,000, that's not generosity because they're sitting on millions. Another person is barely making $50,000, they give $40,000 and they give $10,000, that's ربعul mal. That's one fourth of their wealth, that's a very big number. Someone gives $100 a day, another college student gives $1 a day. $1 a day is a significant percentage of that college kid's full fund. His total, he has like $50 and he's giving $1 out of $50, that's a significant amount. Do you guys understand? So you're supposed to give to the best of your ability and you give it for your sake. Not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs it. Wallahi, Allah doesn't need our wealth. And if you don't give, Allah will give the opportunity to give to someone else. Choose a cause that you like and be a regular donor. Choose any cause that you like. If there are orphans that you like to support, find them, support them. If there are widows and refugees you like to support, find them, support them. People in your own city, your inner city you'd like to support, go support them. You're into developing wells so thirsty people across the world can have water to drink, go and do it. And don't think it's impossible, it is possible. One of my friends was telling me that these days you can have a, you know, a well up and going for seven, eight hundred dollars. I know that sounds like a lot, but that's not an impossible number. If you start saving money aside, you can put seven, eight hundred dollars aside and have a well up and running in a part of the world where people can, um, can have water. I know people who have hand, um, you know, hand pump wells up and running for $300, $200. But if you want to go with Ihsan, so it's easier on those people, pay a little extra, make it easy on those people. So that way it's easy for them, it's automated or whatnot. But try to be a donor to some cause. Otherwise, greed will take you. And once greed consumes you, there's no way out. Don't stop telling yourself, I'll do it tomorrow, today I'm tied up. Because tomorrow won't be any easier than today. Whatever excuse you have today not to give, that excuse will exist tomorrow as well. Tomorrow you're going to have rent. Tomorrow you're going to have a car, a car payment. Tomorrow you're going to have college payments. Tomorrow you're going to have a business payment. The cost of your life will never decrease. It will most likely only increase. You'll have kids, you'll, have, you'll get married, something or the other. It'll never get easier. So forget about tomorrow. Focus on today. What can you give today? I have seen people in my life, and whenever I see these people, it makes me happy. Not one people, I've seen many people like this. MashaAllah, whenever they walk into the masjid, they always give some sadaqah. I've seen this. There are some people, every time, every time, these are people who pray salah five times a day, by the way. Every time they walk into the masjid, they always give I see them reach into their pocket. Allah knows what they're giving. They reach into their pocket, they take it, they put it in the sadaqah box and they walk out. And I envy these people. 
that subhanAllah, I can't imagine how much barakah Allah is going to put in this person's wealth that they keep giving sadaqah, they keep giving sadaqah. They give sadaqah so frequently, so secretly, so privately that the left hand doesn't even know what the right hand gave. There are some of us that give sadaqah and what do we do? Hey guys, I just helped out refugees, why don't you help them out too? That's what we do. We kind of throw it on everyone's face that I'm doing a good job, I'm helping humanity. And there are some people that give sadaqah and it's a secret. Nobody knows. Between them and Allah, you know, one day you'll be talking with someone and they'll say, hey, you know, so-and-so person funded my surgery. So-and-so person bought my house. So-and-so person did this for me. So-and-so person did that for me. You'll hear the world talking about how generous that person was. So learn from the story of Qarun. And be careful of becoming um, greedy in wealth. Now the second story that I wanted to cover briefly today is the story of Musa salam and Khadr. This is also a story mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that Musa salam was a great prophet of Allah who was blessed with a great honor uh, of speaking with Allah. He was given the Torah. One day Musa salam was giving a lecture. This, this we find in the riwayat. One day Musa salam was giving a lecture and during his lecture he said, someone asked him, who is the a'lamun nas? Who is the most knowledgeable of people? So Musa salam responded back by saying, ana, me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't like that. Allah didn't like that Musa salam said me. Therefore, according to one narration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam came to him. And he said to him, you see that bird there? You see that bird pecking? You see how much it takes? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't even given you that much ilm. And here you say that you are the most knowledgeable one. And one riwayah, it states that Musa alayhi salam, he said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Ya Allah, he said, Ya Allah, let me meet the one who is the most knowledgeable. Let me meet someone that is more knowledgeable than me so I can learn from that person. This is also another riwayah. Now before we move forward, who was this Musa that interacted with Khadr? Was it Musa salam, the Prophet of Allah, Musa bin Imran, or was it Musa bin someone else? So there, there are two positions on this issue. The Jamhur Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, wa Akthar Mufassirun, majority of the Mufassirun in Jamhur Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, qala Akthar al Ulama, ala anna al Musa al Mathkur fi hadi al ayah huwa Musa ibn Imran. Who was it? Sayyidina Musa bin Imran, Sahib al Mu'ajizat al Zahira, wa Sahib al Tawrat, the one that Allah gave great miracles to, and the one that was blessed with the Tawrat. Sa'id bin Jubair asked Ibn Abbas Sa'id bin Jubair who was a famous Mufassir Tabi'i He asked Abdullah ibn Abbas The companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Inna nawfa ibn Amra'ata Yaz'umu anna al-khadira Laysa sahiba Musa bin Imran Wa innama huwa sahibu Musa bin Misha Sa'id bin Jubair said to Ibn Abbas That there are people claiming That Khadr did not meet Musa bin Imran The Prophet of Allah He met some other Musa Musa bin Misha, this is the name that he presented. So Ibn Abbas response, he said, Kadaba Aduullah. What did he say? That enemy of Allah has lied. The one mentioned in the Quran, the one that Khadr, Ali, Khadr met was who? Musa bin Imran, the one that we are talking about, the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there are many proofs of this. One of them 
Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi says, Inna Allah ta'ala ma dhakara Musa fi kitabihi illa wa arada bihi sahibu al-Tawrat. There isn't a place in the entire Qur'an that Allah mentions the name Musa, but who is he making reference to? Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, the Prophet of Allah. The whole Qur'an is like this. فَإِطْلَاقُ هَذَا الْإِسْمِ يُوجِبُ الْإِنْصِرَافِ إِلَيْهِ So whenever this name is mentioned, therefore we will mandate that the person being addressed in, in this, with this statement is who? Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. وَلَوْ كَانَ الْمُرَادُ شَخْصًا آخَرُ مُسَمَّى بِمُوسَى غَيْرَهُ لَوَجَبَ تَعْرِيفُهُ بِصِفَةٍ تُوجِبُ الْإِمْتِيَازِ وَإِزَالَةِ الشُّبْهَةِ that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to mention the name of Musa alayhi salam, while mention the name Musa while make reference to someone else, not the Prophet Musa, then it would be necessary that Allah would highlight saying it's someone else. Does that make sense to you guys? Look, if I in my class always say Adil, and Adil refers to Adil Mahdi. Okay? Now, one year later, or two years later, or three years later in my lecture, if I say Adil, and I'm not, I'm not referring to Adil Mahdi, I'm referring to Adil Khan, then I have to say. Adil Khan, because my entire life I've been saying Adil and who have I been referring to? Mahdi, otherwise this is going to cause shubha, this is going to cause confusion. And the Qur'an does not leave any confusion. Tibyanan li kulli shay. What does the Qur'an do? It opens up things, it clarifies things. So for example, in Islamic history, whenever we use the word Abu Hanifa, who is this referring to? Imam Abu Hanifa Nu'aman ibn Thabit, this is the person it's referring to. Now if for example I say Abu Hanifa, and I'm not mentioning Imam Abu Hanifa, Sahib al-Fiqh, I'm not mentioning Nu'man bin Thabit, while saying Abu Hanifa I say someone else, I can't just say an opinion and say Abu Hanifa said this and move on, because that's, that's, uh, that's uh, it's khiyana, it's cheating. Because I'm making people think Imam Abu Hanifa said this, but while I'm saying Abu Hanifa's name and I'm saying, making reference to someone else. Therefore, if I want to say Imam, if I, for example, if I want to quote Abu Hanifa, what's the mashur one? Abu Hanifa, Dina, um, Dina, I'm um, sorry, Deen Wari. Abu Hanifa, Deen Wari, Rahimahullah. That's another Imam Hanifa. That's another Abu Hanifa, not the Imam Hanifa. So if I want to say Abu Hanifa, Deen Wari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, I can't just say Abu Hanifa said. What do I need to say? Abu Hanifa, Deen Wari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala Qal. Like this. There's a famous story that one time Imam Ahmad al-Hamal he came to a masjid and with him there were some one or two other great muhadithun. When I say great muhadithun, I mean people who were the teachers of Imam Bukhari. Three, four of them were traveling, they came to a masjid and there was this guy giving a lecture. So Imam Ahmad said to his friend, let's sit down and listen to this lecture. Let's see what this guy is talking about. Now for those of you who don't know, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal was Hafidul Hadith, like he was a master in Hadith. Giving a lecture in front of someone like that is not a wise idea. Because this guy knows every Hadith with every Sanad that you're about to quote. Do you guys understand? And next to him were these other giants. So they said, we sat down and listened to this guy's Hadith. This guy shared some very long narration about birds. Now after he shared this narration, at the end of it he said, Rawahu Ahmad. What did he say? Rawahu. Now, in, for those of you that are not familiar, in hadith literature and hadith discussions, whenever we say Rawahu Ahmad, this refers to who? This is narrated by Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal rahmatullahi So Imam Ahmad said, let's, you know, that guy said Rawahu Ahmad, I've never heard this hadith before. This guy just talked about it, he just made up a, a, a statement and just attributed it towards me. 
So Imam Ahmad al-Hanbal got up. After the lecture, he went to that guy. Everyone was meeting him. Everyone was happy because amazing story, amazing lecture. Imam Ahmad came to the front and said to him, Assalamu alaikum. Brother, you know in the, in the lecture you, you narrated this narration and then he said, Allahu Ahmad, I'm Ahmad. And I've never heard this hadith before. So what did that guy say? That guy said to him, he said, you think you're the only Ahmad in the whole world? What did he say? To him? After Imam Ahmad busted him lying, what did he say? You think you're the only Ahmad when I say Ahmad, it's not you Ahmad, it's someone else. And Imam, Imam Ahmad said, let's run from this guy. This guy, is, he's a big mess and he's, Allah knows how many other lies he's going to fabricate. Let's get out of here and let's leave. So the scholars, they agree that the Prophet, Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah agree that the Musa who interacted with Khadr, as mentioned in Surah Kahf, is who? Musa bin Imran. Now in this story, we also learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa alayhi salam, whatever the cause was behind it, that you will take one of your companions and travel with you and we will give you a sign that you are now in the place where you can meet that servant of ours. What was the sign? You will have a fish with you, and that fish will ju jump into the ocean. And when you come to that place, you will be at the place where you're going to meet the servant of ours. Now who was this companion that Musa salam had with him? Majority of the muhadithun, they say, mufassirun, they say that this person was Yusha bin Noon who was one of the close um, companions of Sayyidina Musa salam, and was the person who looked after Bani Israel after Musa salam, passed away. The big debate the scholars have, was Khadr a prophet or not? Was Khadr a Nabi or a Wali? Musa salam, is a Nabi, we know that. Was Khadr a Nabi or was he a Wali? Was he a friend of Allah or a prophet? Some scholars argue that he was a prophet of Allah. And the reason why they present this argument is because they say there were so many things of this interaction between Musa salam and Khadr that indicate to Khadr being a prophet of Allah. Do you guys understand? And if you don't accept, they say, if you don't accept that he is a prophet of Allah, then there are some very big explanations you have to give. Do you guys understand? What do they say you have to give? Lengthy explanations. There's a lot of explaining that has to happen. The other ulama, they say that no, he is not a prophet of Allah, he is a wali of Allah. And the reason why they say this is because they are reluctant to attribute nubuwa to any person unless there is an explicit statement saying this person is a nabi of Allah. The ulama have been very careful. How can you attribute nubuwa, prophethood to a person and later on find out he wasn't a prophet? You've made a claim and that's a very big claim. Idda'a nubuwa is a very big claim. Therefore, they've chosen to say, he is not a prophet. We will only accept those people to be prophets who the Qur'an clearly states they were prophets or the Prophet of Allah said that this person was a prophet. So there is a lot of debate on this issue. By the way, many respected, reputable scholars, even of our time, even of our time, hold the position that Khadr was a Nabi. So this is one of those issues that you have to understand carefully. Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi provides six arguments. How many arguments? Six arguments that Khadr was not a Nabi, that Khadr was a Wali. From amongst them, he says, Imam Fakhruddin al Razi says, that there are a large group of people that claim that Khadr was a Nabi. And they present many arguments in favor that Khadr was a Nabi. 
Now what Imam Razi does, he presents their arguments and then refutes. So I'll, pre- I'll do the two, three arguments that he presents. I won't go through all of them. Number one, Al-Awwal. أَنَّهُ تَعَالَى قَالْ وَآتَيْنَاهُ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عَنْدِنَا وَالرَّحْمَةُ هِيَ النَّبُوَّةِ بِدَلِيلِ قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى أَهُمْ يَقْسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ وقوله تعالى وما كنت ترجو أن يلقى إليك الكتاب إلا رحمة من ربك فالمراد من هذه الرحمة النبوة. The first argument these people present, the people who claim that Khadr was a prophet, Allah سبحانه وتعالى says regarding Khadr وآتيناه رحمة من عندنا. What does Allah say regarding him? وآتيناه رحمة من عندنا. And we gave him mercy from ourselves. We gave him a special mercy. Now, Allah said this regarding Khadr, and then they quote two other places in the Qur'an where the word Rahma is used for Nubuwa. The word Rahma is used for prophethood. Therefore, if you translate the word Rahma as prophethood, and you translate it now, it'll say, We gave him prophethood from us. Therefore, this is one argument. Imam Razi, he says, he responds back by saying, um, نُسَلِّمُ أَنَّ النُّبُوَّةَ رَحْمَةً أَمَّا لَا يَلْزِمُ أَنْ يَكُونَ كُلُّ رَحْمَةٍ نُبُوَّةً He says, yes, it is true that nubuwa, prophethood, is a manifestation of Allah's mercy, but not every mercy is, manifest, is prophethood. Do you guys understand that? It's تَخْسِيسِ تَعْمِيمِ Anyone that claims to have nubuwa must have been one that Allah showered His mercy upon. Understand this logic, okay? It works one way, not two ways. Anyone that Allah gave nubuwa to will have to admit that they gain their nubuwa as a result of Allah's mercy. But not every person that Allah shows His mercy to is a Nabi of Allah. Otherwise, everyone sitting here is a Nabi of Allah. This is the first argument Imam Razi gives. The second thing he says, Those who claim that Khadr was a prophet, they quote this ayah where Allah says, and we gave him from us, from our side, ilma, very special knowledge. And we taught him a very unique knowledge. وَهَذَا يَقْتَدِي أَنَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَّمَهُ لَا بِوَاسِطَةِ تَعْلِيمِ مُعَلِّمٍ وَلَا إِرْشَادِ مُرْشِدٍ وَكُلُّ مَنْ عَلَّمَهُ لَا بِلَا وَاسِطِ الْبَشْرِ وَجَبَ أَنْ يَكُونَ نَبِيًّا If someone says that Allah taught me directly, they can then draw the conclusion that if Allah taught me without any a medium of a human being, I am a prophet of Allah. And if Allah says we taught him, then that could be a claim that he is claiming that he is a prophet of Allah. Imam Razi rahmatullahi alayhi responds back by saying, وَهَذَا إِسْتِدْلَالِ ضعيف. This argument is weak. لِأَنَّ الْعُلُومُ الضُرُورِيَةِ تَحْصُلُ إِبْتِدَاءً مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ Every knowledge ultimately, where does, it, where does it stem from? The knowledge of science, the knowledge of math, all of these ultimately, they stem from the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. الْحُجَّةَ الثالثة أَنَّ مُوسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ قَالْ هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي وَالنَّبِيُّ لَا يَتَّبِعُ غَيْرَ النَّبِيُّ فِي التَّعْلِيمُ Musa alayhi salam said to Khadr that do you grant me permission that I follow you so you teach me? And their argument is how can a prophet follow a non-prophet for seeking knowledge? Do you guys understand the argument? How can a prophet follow a non-prophet for seeking knowledge? So Imam Razi says هَذَا أَيْضًا ضعيف. This argument is also it's a weak argument. It's not a good argument. لِأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ لَا يَتَّبِعُ غَيْرَ النَّبِيِّ فِي الْعُلُومِ الَّتِي بِعْتِبَارِهَا صَارَ نَبِيًّا وَأَمَّا فِي غَيْرِ تِلْكَ الْعُلُومِ فَلَا الْحُجَّةِ That a prophet will never follow someone in the knowledge that Allah already gave him. If Allah has given a prophet a knowledge, 
the knowledge through which he became a prophet, he can't follow someone else in that knowledge because that knowledge was given to him by Allah. But if it comes to him wanting to acquire knowledge other than what Allah gave him, can that prophet seek knowledge from someone else? Absolutely. The Prophet ﷺ made it very clear to the Ansar that you guys know your agriculture better than I know it. Right? Yes or no? Agriculture has nothing to do with Nubuwa. So even these things that occurred, these incidents, these are isolated unique incidents that occurred when Musa salam was with Khadr. These are not usuli issues or societal issues that occurred. These were three very unique individual cases that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired on the heart of this pious man to deal with. Now as for societal issues, sharia, law, that knowledge naturally, who had more? Everyone agrees. That was Sayyidina Musa because he was the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave revelation to. 